All right, so I think we may still have some join us, but I'm gonna go ahead and get started. Um, thank you guys for coming out today. I hope that uh, you enjoy some time out of your office and the lovely weather before it gets so hot. Um, more than anything, my prayer for this time together today is that uh, God just uses it to bless you where you are. So I, I'll give you the words that I have, but he'll meet you right where you are. And I hope that, that whatever you leave with today is a blessing to you, a benefit to you, it encourages you in your work, um, and that you leave here knowing that you're valued. So I'm going to start by telling a story. And, um, and, and as I go along, what I'm thinking about is community. But I'm going to start by telling a story that was a long, long time ago. So it was in the late 80s, and I was, of course, super young. Um, not as, but younger. And um, so we lived here in Lubbock. I was a kid and we lived here in Lubbock. My parents were students at Sunset. So they were at Sunset School of Preaching. And so if, if you're familiar with Sunset School of Preaching, you know we were super poor because we were living on support. Um, and so we were here in Lubbock. Parents were living on support. And, and one summer they agreed with Sunset that our family and another family would represent Sunset School of Preaching in uh, the Great Northwest Evangelism Forum up in Washington State. And so, and I don't know exactly what town it was in, I can't remember, it was outside of Seattle, but we were poor again, so the, our way of making our way up there to represent the school was that we borrowed a pop-up trailer and we loaded it with everything that we would need for a couple of weeks and we made this into a big family trip, not just us, but this other family too. So there's four kids, there's you know four adults, there's all of us traveling up to the Pacific Northwest to represent Sunset and making it a big family vacation because we had no money, right? So we had no money. So we've got all our food, all of our stuff in here. And I was old enough uh, that I packed every, every bit of clothing that I owned because I was like preteenish, and I would need all of my clothes for this two-week adventure, I was sure. So everything I own is in the trailer along with everything we're going to need for this adventure. So we go all the way up, you know, have a wonderful time, get all the way up to the forum. My parents do their work. They represent the school. And after the end of the forum, where there's people from all over the United States there representing different churches, um, the forum ends and my family and this other family, we decide we're gonna make a day of it and we're gonna to go to Seattle. Um, so we're gonna to go to Seattle for the day. We're just gonna enjoy the day and that's gonna be a bit of vacation. And we were all reminded of this this summer because we just did a family trip. We went on a cruise and we left out of Seattle. And, and as we were in Seattle as a family, you know, we're like, hey, remember? And my brother and I are like, we remember. <laughs> because it turned out to be not a great day. We went down to the waterfront in Seattle. We have our trailer, again, with everything we own, everything that's gonna get us back to Lubbock, Texas, with no money and two families and a plan of camping our way back. Um, so we're on the waterfront, we park and we go into the aquarium. We have a wonderful day in Seattle and we come out of the aquarium and we see our suburban and right behind our Suburban, we see a van parked right behind our Suburban where our trailer was that was full of all of our stuff that was gonna get us back to Lubbock, Texas. The trailer is gone. It had been stolen off the back of our car. 
it was totally gone. Everything in it was gone and there we are on the waterfront in Seattle, thousands of miles away from everywhere that we would have turned to in 1988 or 89, whatever year this was. Um, so I'm a kid at this point, right? So this is one other story about faith. I'm a kid, I'm with my dad, so I know that things are bad, but I'm with my father, so it doesn't, like, I, it'll work out, right? So my perspective is this is gonna work out. That's a whole nother lesson on faith and having the faith of a child and just the confidence to say, huh, that looks bad, but I'm with my father, so that's, that'll work out. But some people, like our parents, had to make decisions. What do we do now? We're downtown at the waterfront in Seattle, so we went to a Denny's. And we sat at a Denny's, because what do you do when you're having a crisis? You go to Denny's. And, um, and my parents asked the waitress at Denny's, is there a church nearby? And she said, well, you know, I really don't know. There's a church somewhere. I don't know what kind of church. I don't know what it is. Um, so they said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to drive out to a little town. We ended up driving to Everett, Washington. Um, and we stopped in Everett, Washington. And my parents stopped at a phone booth. And they took out a phone book. And they opened the phone book and there were two churches of Christ in Everett, Washington. And they just picked one. So my dad and the other dad, uh, who also worked at Sunset for years after this, Speedy Heart, they pick one church in Everett, Washington. And they say, let's call them. It's Sunday. The forum ended. This is a, on a Sunday. They call the church and, and whoever answers the phone says, you know what? We're just gathering for Sunday night service. Why don't y'all just come and after service, We'll, you'll talk to the elders, we'll figure out a way to get you back to Lubbock, right? So we've leaned into community. We go to this church that we picked out of a phone book in a town that we just picked off a sign. We walk into the foyer and we just stop because we recognize the voice of the person who is preaching. And it's not just anybody that we met, it's somebody long-time connection with LCU, but it was a preacher. He was preaching at that time in Dumas, Texas. And not only was he a preacher in Dumas, Texas, but his father-in-law was an elder in the Panhandle Church of Christ that sent my parents to Sunset, their primary supporting con congregation. So John Del Kelly was an elder in Panhandle Church of Christ. His son-in-law, Ben Marinas, was preaching that Sunday in Everett, Washington, in a church that we picked out of a phone book. And he stopped at the pulpit and he looked at the back of the church and he said, I know those people, which was good because we were just, you know, stragglers off the street. But my dad in that moment, and remember, I'm a child. I'm approaching all of this like a child. So like, why wouldn't Ben Marinas be the one preaching in this church? I, it, it makes perfect sense. My dad reached down and he grabbed my hand and he said, you see, God never leaves us, right? So, and this always makes me cry because in that moment I thought, well, of course, dad, but as you grow and you become the person who has to make the decisions and get people home safely and wonder what's gonna happen and how are we gonna do this, it makes it all the more real, those moments that somebody has reached out and grabbed your hand and said, you see, God never leaves you. God never leaves you. You see the evidence of this. 
And we see that in the Bible when God says, put an altar here and you tell people what happened here and you tell people that I didn't leave you and you tell people that I saw you through this and all of that happens within a community. And so I was thinking about this, I was thinking about our mission statement and we spend a lot of time talking about what we do, the transformative work we do. Now I want to back up to this section right before that where we say what we are. We are an academic community of learners who do this work. And it means something that we say we're a community because we could just say we do this work. It's powerful, important, transformative work and we do it. And we could mean that we do it together or we could mean that we do it on our own. But we don't say that. We say that we are a community that does this work. So I thought, what does it mean to be a community? And I found this, this is from the Stanford Social Innovation Review. I found it online, but it, they, this is their definition, a totally secular definition of community. <clears throat> it's about people. First and foremost, a community is not a place. It's not a building. It's not an organization. A community is a feeling and a set of relationships among people. People form and people maintain communities. They go on to say that neighborhoods, companies, schools, and even places of faith are a context and they're an environment for a community, but they're not the community. And we know this, right? Because we've all learned this in church. We are the church. The church is not the place. We are the church. We are the body. But then they, go, they say this, members of a community have a sense of trust of belonging, of safety, and of caring for each other. They have an individual and a collective sense that they can, as a part of the community, as a part of this community, that they can influence the environment and they can influence the people around them. Because of the community, they have a sense that they can make things happen because they're connected in this very real way. We get powerful things done through our connections. We know our work is better through our connections. But what I wanna focus on today is the way we build each other up and the way we encourage each other and the way we remind each other that God's promises are true. And so in Ecclesiastes, um, and you guys know this, uh, we read that two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either one of them falls down, one can help the other up but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. And then he goes on to say, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. And you know, for years I had on my desk, I had a little slip of paper. It was about the size of a business card. And all it said was, you were prayed for today. And I kept that on my desk because the moment that somebody handed that card to me, I was over in the CSS, we had had a transition. I was stepping into a new role and I was sitting with myself alone, wondering, is this what God wants for me? Am I doing enough? Am I doing the right thing? Is this, does this even matter? Is my work even valuable? Is this worth everything that we're putting into it? What does God want me to do? What's the plan? And I'm praying, oh, God, just show me the way. And there's a sort of radio silence. And in that moment, one of our faculty members walks into my office and uh, he doesn't know. He doesn't know what's going on in my head or in my heart, in my life. He has no idea what's going on. He just says, hey, listen, we're praying for people around campus and I just wanted to let you know. He hands me the slip of paper and says that you were prayed for today. We're praying for you. 
He didn't know anything about what was going on. But because we were in community together, because we had that sense of belonging and safety and shared connection and shared experience, it meant so much to me to know that somebody's praying for me, somebody's believing for me right now that God's promises are true, even though they don't even know what I'm facing in my life. Somebody is believing for me that I'm seen and that I'm valued and that God knows me by name, even if I'm not feeling that right now in my life. And it just changed everything. And I kept it on my desk for years because even though he never knew what was in my heart in that moment, just getting that piece of paper changed my whole perspective. I was like, all right, like we're praying about it and we're going to be okay. So, you know, there's a lot in the New Testament about what it means to be a community. And I kept circling back to 1 Thessalonians, which is kind of a, a little bit of a morbid. 1 Thessalonians 5 starts with that whole section about you never know when the end is coming. It's like a thief in the night. Uh, so we sort of read that like, you better be good. Santa's coming to town and get your affairs in order because you, you might be smote, right? I mean, this could happen. Uh, but you know what? It ends, that section ends in verse 11 with, Therefore, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. So all that stuff before, you don't know what's right around the corner. You don't know what could happen. You don't know what could happen, but you know God. You know that he's good. You know that he's faithful. You know that he's made a way for you. And because you don't know what's around the corner, and because you do know God, therefore, I took philosophy. This is a, this is a syllogistic argument. Therefore, encourage one another, build one another up, just as you are doing. And he goes on to say, now we ask you to acknowledge those who work hard among you, those who work, who work hard with you and those who care for you, and even those who admonish you, like even those who come along and say, Yvonne, you're better than that. Um, hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, admonish those who are idle, encourage the disheartened, Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Always strive to do what is good for each other and everyone else. And there's a lot in the New Testament about how we build each other up and encourage each other and appreciate each other's gifts. But sometimes we also need to know that we um, need to be there for the faint-hearted. We need to be there for those who are struggling in the same way. That we come along beside them and we say, God's promises are true. You are not forgotten. Your work is not forgotten. You are seen. Your work is valuable. You are valuable. And we're in this together. And we're going to walk through this together. So I'm going to close with a prayer from Ephesians. And this is one of my favorite prayers. This is from Ephesians 1. And I want you to hear this being spoken to you. Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people... I have not stopped giving thanks for you. I have not stopped remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you can know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he calls you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in, in us, in his holy people. 
and his incomparably great power for those of us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength that raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. It's far above all rule and authority, above power and dominion, and above every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. And God placed all things under his feet, and he appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, which is this body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So as we go back to our work today, I want you to, like, if you do one thing, if you take one thing out of this, pray for each other, encourage each other, be present to see each other and to value the work of our friends and our colleagues because we can't do this alone. And this place, our, our place, what we do here works because we all do it. And it would be drastically different if any one of us was not here doing the work that we do. So that's one, pray for each other. And two, know that you are prayed for, that you're seen and that you're valued and that you're an integral part of everything we do here. Know that the work you do is valued, but even more importantly than that, you are valuable, you are valued, and we wouldn't be the same without you. Um, and thank you for being part of what we are, whatever that intangible thing is that we point to and say it's our community, thank you for being part of it and for being it. And then be reminded with whatever you're facing today, whatever you're sitting with, with God, whether you're happily sitting there with him or whether you are, you need to have words with him, like whatever you're sitting there with God, be reminded that he's gone before you and he stands guard behind you that he walks with you through this. He empowers all of us with his Holy Spirit and he equips us to walk alongside each other. So thank you for um, doing that with me and with each other. And I hope that your day is blessed. Thanks for listening to LCU's podcast. For more content like this, go to lcu.edu.